Hi, sisters, and welcome to another episode of E-Girls. We're your hosts. I'm Emma. And I'm Eleanor. So today we will be talking about mental illness and how it is talked about and treated in the mainstream media. Yes, absolutely. And there's, I mean, this isn't just one social media or even social media in general, like television, movies, etc. We're mainly going to focus on like Instagram and TikTok, but we want to recognize that it's the label has so many meanings along with like so many terms that get misrepresented. Yeah. And we're not experts. We are two mentally ill queens. Oh yeah. Mentally but ill But by queens. no means are we experts. So disclaimer. Also disclaimer if this topic um, is upsetting to you. I know sometimes when I'm like doing bad mentally, it's really hard for me to listen or read anything about mental illness. So feel free to tune out if that is the case. We don't hold that against you. For sure. And we're happy to have you guys listen to our, you know, stories. Yes. So jumping into it, we were discussing how, like, when did mental illness enter like mainstream consciousness and discussions. Yeah. And so I was thinking about it and like growing up as kids, it's like, it's not really discussed even like middle school or high school, like the whole idea of like bullying yeah, and like people being like sad because they're like bullied or like growing up into high school it really wasn't discussed in school. No, and the I idea remember of like, yeah. in health class, and this was ninth grade, so this was before like I had experienced anything with mental illness really, mm-hmm. talking about things like depression in health class, it was by no means approached as something that was like, you know, people here could be depressed. Mm-hmm. If you're depressed, it felt very much like othering. Like yes. it was something far away. It was something that most people don't deal with, um, which is strange to think about. And I don't know if it's still taught that way. I can't imagine it is. No, I think it probably has changed a lot um, in like at least because like students are coming into high school or whenever they start being like those topics are discussed openly already with so much knowledge because they're exposed to it. Like we said, like earlier on like TikTok, Instagram, social media in general, if not their parents already speaking to them about it because it has become so mainstream. And then we were also talking about like when it started being such a like openly talked about thing. Yeah. Something else just about like high schoolers and even, you know, elementary and middle schoolers Mm. now, I'm sure it's taught differently because they do have worse mental health than we have because they now, I think school shootings are a big part of Mm -hmm. it. You know, we didn't grow up with that kind of stress, like maybe in high school, but with how bad it's gotten, of course, there was just a school shooting. Um, and the pandemic, being so young in the pandemic, oh I think, has yes. really worsened young people's mental health. You're so right. And, like, working at the elementary school, I – this past – so, like, last summer, when a lot of students were starting to come back to school, there was so much anxiety. And when yeah. I mean anxiety, I mean, like, kids throwing up in the bathroom – kids not being able to like leave their parent and I mean a lot of that's like attachment too but like the pandemic allowed for these um the kids to you know be home for so long 
to when they had to reintegrate into like more social settings, the kids who had like predispositions to anxiety, it really hurt them. Yeah. I mean, as yeah. an adult, it was hard yeah. to be around so many people again. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine being, yeah, in elementary school or middle school or high school, especially because there's so many changes happening mm-hmm. at that time. Yeah. You know, it's just bizarre that they had to go through that at home, isolated. Um, So, yeah, I think that's a big part of how it's become more mainstream um, Mm -hmm. in the media and such. Yeah, I was just thinking about, like, the first time that I had, like, ever had any sort of, like, a bout of depression. And it only lasted about, like, three weeks. This was my sophomore year of high school. And it, it was, like, my mom took me to the doctor like my P- PCP. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, and I was still going to like, you know, a children's doctor. Yeah. And all they really told me was like, it'll get better. Like, yeah. it'll be fine. Like, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Like, they didn't give me a medicine. They didn't like, really give me any advice. Yeah. And it was and it was just like unexplainable, because also it's like not visible. Yeah. So, and I think there's a lot of hesitation to give medication to young people. Yeah. Um, because there's this narrative that young people are so over medicated, are so, mm-hmm. I don't know, overdiagnosed. Like, yeah, I remember it was pretty difficult for me to get medicated. Yeah. In high school. Um, which, I mean, it's good that they're using caution, but sometimes, yeah, it's like downplaying it almost where it's yeah. like, yeah, you'll get better. You're fine. Where sometimes medication is what makes the difference. A lot oh, of times. Yeah. 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 So, and I mean, there was mental illness in the media, particularly social media, specifically Tumblr. Mm-hmm. When we were in high school. And I'm sure there was some on MySpace yeah. prior to that. But I think the difference between then and now is that Tumblr was very much private. It's like anonymous. It was anonymous. Yeah. Like, and I mean, you followed your friends and like random people followed you. And it's not necessarily that you were completely anonymous. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people posted pictures. God knows I posted plenty of selfies (laughs) back in the day, but it's not something that all of your classmates would see because it was a very like select group of people who would be on Tumblr. Yes. Cool people. Yeah. (laughs) And even like people would have just completely private accounts without anyone they knew where they would, I mean, go into graphic detail about some of the difficult things that they were going through experiencing or like doing to themselves yeah and i think tumblr maybe because of that certain anonymity mm-hmm. and obscurity things were talked about a lot more explicitly oh, specifically yeah. eating disorders and self-harm mm-hmm. like there was it wasn't disguised yes and it was just talked about explicitly it was romanticized mm-hmm. um which was of course extremely dangerous and extremely bad for our mental health yeah um but now on tiktok everything is so visible i think there still are like people are still pushing some of the same ideas specifically with eating disorders yes i feel like there's a lot of young people who i mean i think sometimes they call it body checking Mm -hmm. and i do think it's like a hard 
I don't know. There's a balance between, yeah, like some people, if they're just skinny, it's not like it's a crime for them to like show their bodies. Yeah. It's not like whatever. But I think the most negative thing is when people do before and afters mm-hmm. about losing weight when they were already a healthy weight prior. Yeah. And the after. In general, too. Yeah. Like, you never know. Yeah. And like, also, you were talking about, or I, I don't know if you were talking about this, but the like what I eat in a day yeah. in recovery. So yeah. like someone who's recovering from an ED and like what they eat in a day is not normal to what someone who is, you know, regularly eating is yeah. going to be eating. And so, you know, showing that is not always the best way. It could be good for that person to like, you know, put it out there, hold themselves accountable. I think that's like one of the biggest things that they um, think of when they're doing that. But Sometimes it can be damaging to others, which I mean, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like I had another point to make, but. It, about like EDs or. Yeah, about, I don't know. It escapes me now, but maybe it'll come to me later. Um, but yeah, TikTok is obviously very visible and mm-hmm. it's something where, I mean, it's still, it's not anonymous, but it's not like all of your friends from school necessarily follow. I mean, they probably do if you're in high in school. In high school, they do. As adults, sure. it's different. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so then we'll move into a certain subsect of TikTok, which is the so-called mental health experts. Yes, which there are some legitimate therapists on TikTok, which I feel it really depends and varies on what they discuss and like point out. But um, for the most part, I think like legitimately licensed therapists and counselors and psychologists do their best to yeah. be I feel accurate. Like, I feel like it's strange if they are like a practicing therapist seeing clients. Mm-hmm. I know that as someone who goes to therapy that would be extremely strange seeing my therapist on TikTok. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like my therapist has made a comment before where she's like, I don't know why anyone would do that. That just seems unprofessional. And I mean, most agencies would never allow that. Yeah. It's when people are like in private practice that they're allowed to do that. Yeah. But I understand if it's someone who is not necessarily seeing patients or, Like a researcher maybe? Yeah, maybe like a researcher. Yeah. even someone in school for it, like getting a PhD or something, yeah. you know, someone who's knowledgeable on the subject, but isn't having a direct impact on people in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, it's not necessarily a negative thing, but I think it can be when their words are treated as universal advice. Yeah. When that's like almost never the case that something applies to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest issue is the people who are not licensed and who are not necessarily experts on the subject. Or credible in any way. Like, I mean, maybe they've found credible info online, but even then. Yeah. It's Um, like... But yeah, they present themselves as experts Mm -hmm. and as people who you can trust. And they don't have bad intentions, I don't think. Yeah, I think there's a big push for mental health resources to be more accessible to more people because it's not cheap. It's not cheap to go to a psychiatrist. It's not cheap to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. So if there are things that can be shared for free and it's helpful to people, that is a good thing. Yes. But it also can be very dangerous. Yeah. And lead to 
people self-diagnosing, people pathologizing completely normal behaviors. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's like trying to normalize things, but there is a downside to that. Yeah, and I mean, I think the biggest issue that I originally, like when I first started seeing these TikToks, um, and like when I would see one, I'd be like, what the hell? And so then I'd go and like, you know, watch more of them is when they're talking about any sort of mental illness, depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, um, they'd be like, here are five symptoms that you may not realize are symptoms of bipolar or BPD or anxiety. And the symptoms would be sleeping too much, (laughs) being irritable. Um, you know, I'm trying to think being tired, like yeah. it's the most fatigue general, is a big one. fatigue, the most general symptoms that could mean literally anything, yeah. anything. And they're presenting them like five very generic symptoms. Um, even just things that are normal everyday th- feelings that you have as like what would cause someone to be one of these things, which is just so dangerous yeah and it's like you could have all five symptoms and still not have a mental illness it could just be Mm -hmm. a normal thing you could have like a physical illness exactly or they're just like normal functions of people who yeah a lot of people are burned out a lot of people are tired from school from work like that doesn't mean that everyone is mentally ill or you just have a lot of like you're experiencing all the different emotions of your like that you have and could possibly experience it to extremes occasionally because that's what a normal person does. And so like having certain symptoms does not die, like lead you to diagnose like yourself as a thing. And like, you know, I'll look at the comments cause you know, that's where you go immediately when you see any sort of controversial TikTok, and it'll be like, Oh my God, do I have X mental illness? Yeah. And I'm like, that is not okay. Like, and it's not to say like we were talking about this earlier, but it's not to say that um, these people, they they could potentially have these things, but like it isn't a credible way to get your information. TikTok is not a credible way to get your information. And we, we realize we both recognize like not everyone can go to a doctor or a therapist or a psychologist to get diagnosed, but it's still, um, doesn't validate people spreading basically in my opinion misinformation yeah and there's something really harmful about teaching younger people specifically I mean I feel like we're old enough to recognize it but there's still people our age and older who fall into these same things that any emotion is a symptom of something Mm -hmm. that any emotion you know is yeah. Part of a bigger issue where, like, people just feel emotions. Yes. People feel sad. People feel anxious. People feel, I don't know, any number of Mad. things. Mad. Mad. Irritable. <laughs> angry. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean that you have a mental illness. And yeah. it's like, it's okay if you do, obviously. But you shouldn't think that your behavior is abnormal mm-hmm. and there's something wrong with you. Because you're feeling emotions. Yeah. And I feel like that's Mm -hmm. a real thing that's happening. I feel like everyone, like kids read into everything Mm -hmm. to an extreme. Yeah. It's like sometimes you just feel, you just need to feel them and then you'll move on. Feel it deeply. That's a good thing, honestly, to feel your emotions deeply. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I feel like that's certainly a problem. 
Um, and then other types of, so yeah, there's like some symptoms that you didn't know or symptoms of X or like signs that you may have this. Things that you're doing are actually, I think those are some of the most harmful ones. Yes. It's it's like, oh, you do this. That's a symptom of X, like directly implied. Oh, you, um, organize your room every week. Like, oh, you rearrange your room multiple times a month. That doesn't mean that you're bipolar. I'm no. sorry. Like no, it that could mean you have just OCD. Mean, it doesn't yeah, mean you're bipolar. It, it could be a symptom, and it could be something that you should talk to with your therapist or whoever you like feel comfortable discussing that with. But it does not mean that that is what you have. Yeah. Yeah. God, it just pisses me off. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to think of other ones. And people, we don't want to discredit people. Like, that's why who it's so believe hard. that they have like. A mental illness but that's what that yeah, exactly that's what's so hard about it but it's just like I think the biggest problem is just these um false like um educators essentially like on yeah. TikTok or yeah. like these like teenagers essentially who are spreading this information that could be re- like legit but aren't necessarily valid to be spreading to your whole audience. Yeah, people who get information from their therapists, who discussing discuss things with their therapist, and then they turn around and they share that on TikTok when that is not universally applicable to people. That is something between you and your therapist. Mm-hmm. Just because something that you do is a sign of your disorder that mm-hmm. like your therapist and your doctor have determined that you have like that doesn't mean that everyone has that that it's a symptom of for everyone yeah so it's like some things don't need to be shared and I think that's another part of it where there's just this push where people way overshare on the internet and it feels like they need to share every aspect of their life which I mean it's I sound like, like an old person like policing but people you're right. but you're right, because it's, like, this whole push to be, like, oh, I want to be authentic on the internet. Yes. But it's, like, yeah, what we said earlier, it's, like, you don't have to share your everything about yourself on the internet. You shouldn't, honestly, because people shouldn't know everything about you. Like, to me, that's just, like, that just would scare me in a way, but also, like, I feel, like, would feel exposed. And, like, I want these things to be personal things that I share with people that I know care about me and I care about them. And it's, like, a pride, like... I think people should keep some things private. Yeah, and it's... Obviously your choice to do that. Yeah. But... Yeah, and I think we're on the same page where it's like, that's not my whole personality. Exactly. Like, that's just something that I have. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult. It's like, sucks to deal with. But I don't want people to be like, oh, well, she's bipolar. Yeah. (laughs) Like, anything you do, it's just like, well, she's crazy. She's bipolar. Yeah. Like, why would I want everyone to know that yeah because it's just like a condition I think of it as like a chronic illness that's what I think of too yeah and I was I literally like got into an argument with people in my one of my classes um like a couple like a month or two ago because we were comparing um mental illness to chronic illness and I was like every single one of my therapists has compared my mental illness to a chronic illness but now that we're discussing it openly in class. You guys don't want to take it seriously mm-hmm. as seriously as you would take something like diabetes yeah. or like where you do have to take your medicine every day. And like they were comparing, like it was pissing me off. Like they were comparing, like, well, di- like someone with diabetes needs their insulin every day. Well, yeah, I need my lithium every day. Yeah. Sorry. Like, and I'm not going to say that out wide in class because yeah. like, I don't want, that's no one else's business. And I don't want all these 
people that don't know me well enough to start asking me about my like condition but like condition disorder but like it's just like it's really invalidate that class was like really invalidating when all these people were basically saying that like a chronic illness isn't anything like a mental illness and it shouldn't be treated as such well i'm sorry that happened that sucks and i think it absolutely is a chronic illness yeah and something that just occurred to me that's dangerous about mental illness and how this misinformation is being spread you can see symptoms that you have x physical illness Mm -hmm. and i mean as someone with severe health anxiety like god knows i read plenty of those lists and i become convinced that i have yeah you know some (laughs) obscure disease the difference is that you can get tested for those things Mm -hmm. and you can prove that oh you don't have those things whereas mental illness you can read as much or as little as you want into these symptoms and it's not like, which I mean, it's, I mean, you can go to a psychiatrist and a therapist and work through it. But again, these young people, if they don't have the resources to do that or they don't want to do that, then it's just kind of like their own interpretation. Because it's not like the stigma isn't gone. The stigma is still very much there. It's just like, it's like allowed to be talked about now. And it's like allowed for like, famous people kind of like I wouldn't say just famous people because I know like in certain settings people it's okay to have a mental illness but like we like it's okay to have like depression and anxiety and like outwardly talk about that even like ADHD like those are things that like are okay to talk about in the mainstream media but like you get over to like things like kind of like OCD then like bipolar then like schizoaffective disorder and that's where people are like like oh, you have that? Like, ew. Like, yeah, you're still going to get negative reactions. And I think that goes along with, like, you don't need to share everything on the internet mm-hmm. because sometimes there are, like, consequences to that. And if you don't know that you have that for certain, I don't know. Like, I just wouldn't. Yeah. You don't need to make it your whole personality. Whether you do or do not have that. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know and, if that makes sense. Well, but. yeah, it's just, like, acting like a stigma. The stigma is over now that, like, certain mental illnesses are accepted is, like, just really, like, you know, just not fair. Because it's, not all mental illnesses are accepted. It's just certain ones are. So we're, like, now a mentally aware society where everyone is accepted for, like, who they are. Yeah, and there's a difference between TikTok where things are more acceptable and real life, like we were saying. Yeah. Um, and like you said earlier tiktok people don't always share it with everyone they know like their personal like it's more like they might have a community of people that aren't like actually related to them in the real life yeah because it's the internet yeah yeah and like real life it's still hard like Mm -hmm. i would feel so awkward calling into work and being like hey i'm having a really bad mental health day even though i do think they'd be very understanding like it's still like an awkward thing oh girl i can tell you like (laughs) When I was, like, when I had my, like, extreme, like, mania and Aunt Manic episode, it was, like, the last three weeks of school. Yeah. My senior year. I had, like, assignments in every single class yeah. that I was unable to complete. Mm-hmm. And I, like, literally had to email every single one of my professors and say, hey, like, I'm in the hospital. Mm-hmm. My parents had to email some of them. Yeah. And they actually were all very understanding like they were it's it's surprising a lot of the times how understanding people are but like it literally 
it like does like it will disrupt your life like yeah and so like not taking it seriously like is just not okay yeah yeah and luckily I didn't have to see them ever again so like I was like it wasn't the worst thing ever but yeah it could have been a lot worse yeah and I think it even if you don't know it, like, it yeah. does probably change people's perception of you. Yeah. Which sucks. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not in, like, the most negative way. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely doesn't have any consequences in real life. Like, there's a lot of consequences that people deal with with mental illnesses. Um, yeah, it is, like, you're so right. Like, it doesn't, like, it changes people's perception of you and they may not, like, outright say it. But even then, like, the label's now there. Yeah, it's like, oh, she's acting irritable. Well, she's bipolar. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, oh. Like, and I know, like, even, like, your, like, closest, like, people. <clears throat> oh, are you really happy today? Are you okay? Like, yeah. are you, like, making sure you're taking your meds? Like, are you, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it's hard because even if they are extremely understanding and extremely supportive, I feel like all my friends and family are. Yeah, same. They're, they're still not going to understand it. Like, there's no way you can understand it unless you've experienced it, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, another big part of this TikTok, an issue with TikTok, and I feel like social media in general, is, like, terms being diluted. Ooh, <clears throat> yes, yes, yes. Which I think has been an ongoing problem to mm-hmm. the point where some terms really have very little meaning now they carry very little weight i think probably the biggest example is trauma oh yeah the way that trauma has been completely diluted and like how the whole idea of like being triggered by something um is no longer you don't you're not like someone who actually maybe is having a reaction that's like from their ptsd probably wouldn't even say that they're triggered i don't know like Treated it's, it's, is something where it's like, well, what are you? It's a joke. A snowflake. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you're triggered. And I don't know what other term they would use. It just is so unfair to them mm-hmm. where it's supposed to mean something. Yeah. Um, and now it's just like, oh, yeah, triggered. Which, like, I'm guilty of this. I think all of us yeah. are guilty of this. Mm-hmm. And that sucks, but that's just what it's become. Yeah, I would feel like. I would feel really weird telling someone that I was, like, triggered from something. Yeah, because sometimes it's, like, like I actually When I say triggered, am. I mean, like, legitimately yeah, triggered. Yeah, when like, I legitimately am triggered. Yeah. With something. Yeah. Like, from a traumatic thing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say that. Yeah. Oh, of course not. Yeah. Um, and a big TikTok thing. I haven't seen this in a while, but it was a big trend. Do you know the Bo Burnham sound that's, like... Which one? it's get these motherfuckers no 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 it's like (laughs) straw hat that is a scarecrow that is a scarecrow yeah describing something like it's a real girl and he's like that is a scarecrow oh my god yes yeah that was a big sound where it was basically people saying i do this um that is a trauma response oh it's like oh i i i know who's coming up the stairs from their steps that's like the biggest example i saw where most people can do that most people can sense which family member which roommate is in the other room is coming up the stairs based on their footsteps i don't know how it works or the way that they just move yeah i agree yeah it's like you generally know who it is or you can like just assume someone's like how they what they do like yeah the noises they make and for some people of course like that carries more like 
it does have like a traumatic element to it where it's like, yeah, if you know that your family member is coming home and they're an alcoholic and they abuse you and you hear them coming up the stairs, that would be triggering. Mm -hmm. Um, But that doesn't mean that everyone who can do that is having a trauma response. Yeah. Um, It's just like, I think it is like, like you were saying earlier, it's the idea that when people are presenting this information on TikTok, they're presenting it as like universal versus like, you know, like, like individual, it's individual by individual. So like every single person hearing that and then thinking that it's not, it's not helpful. And I think that trend in particular was probably the worst one I've seen where Mm. it's basically telling people, if you do this, then you are having a trauma response. Yeah. Like, oh, you might not have known this. Or like but you OCD are. or like, you know, like ADHD, things like that too. Yeah, where it's like that could be a trauma response, but that doesn't mean that the action or the symptom in itself mm-hmm. is a trauma response. Like yes. it could just be a completely normal thing. Yes, yes, yes. Um Yeah, and things like I think dissociated has become very, very diluted. Yes. I'd like you to talk about um, the reading thing. Yeah. So I saw a while ago, I think it was actually on Twitter. And I believe it was a woman saying, like, today I found out that reading a lot as a child was a symptom or a form of dissociation. I guess, like, a form of dissociation. Yeah. Um, Implying that, like, yeah, you have dissociative disorder. You have, like, dissociative episodes when you're reading. Mm-hmm. When there's a lot of people who read a lot as children. That doesn't mean that you were all dissociating. And also, I mean, it's a form of escapism. Yeah. Which a lot of people just enjoy reading. A lot of kids just enjoy reading. I'm sure there's kids who did read a lot as a form of escapism. Yeah. To ignore their surroundings. But even then, I don't think that constitutes, like, dissociation. And, like, using it in a way of it being, like, oh, a mental health diagnosis or a mental health term, like, you could even, like, I think in some definitions of disassociation, that could qualify as disassociation. But the way that she was presenting it was as as if it was from therapy. And she was learning it as if it was, like, something that she did as a child, like, as a therapeutic, like, coping mechanism, which isn't really, shouldn't be... Yeah, like, and the there's connection. just a difference between it's a hobby. coping Come mechanism on. and dissociation. Yeah, And people acting like zoning out is dissociation, when in reality it's like an extremely... I mean, I haven't ever done that, but from what I've read, it's like memory loss, feeling like you're outside of your body... Oh, when you're zoning out and it's, like, really, like, actually... When you're actually dissociating. When you're actually having a dissociative episode. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, like, what good are you doing by running to Twitter and saying, did you know that reading a lot as a child is a symptom of dissociation or a symptom of dissociative disorder? Mm -hmm. What are you gaining from that? Like, I get... I mean, in some way, I guess people may think that they're educating people, like... But what good does that do, knowing how many people read a lot as children? Mm-hmm. And now they're like, wait, do I have this? Like like I said with the comments, it's like, oh, do I have this? Like, they're questioning their, like, 
Yeah. And I feel like another thing, I mean, I don't want to go into this, but I want to say <laughs> that another topic that was brought up like hand in hand with this particular thing mm-hmm. was the gifted child burnout mm-hmm. thing where in reality, what they're talking about, I think everyone goes through. Yeah. Where they feel like maybe not everyone, but a lot of people felt like, oh, I felt like I was, you know, a star student as a child. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was, you know, praised for a lot of things. And then I grew up and it's a lot harder. Like college is meant to be hard. College is meant to be harder than high school. Um, You know, where it's like a lot of people feel like disappointment. A lot of people feel, especially with like how technology has come along. Yeah. I'd say most people our age have trouble holding, like staying concentrated on things for a long period of time. Yeah. And I mean, just like, you know, being in kindergarten, first, second grade and getting smacked with a label of gifted. Yeah, not like if, good for anyone's just like understanding of themselves and like yeah. comparing themselves to others. Yeah, and I understand that. I just feel like the issue is being like, well, this is because this is like a exclusive to former gifted kids. Oh, okay. You know where it's yeah. like in reality, a lot of people feel. I'd say most people feel that way. Where it's like, yeah damn like because yeah when you're a kid like you have your whole future ahead of you and you have like endless possibilities and not that you don't as a young adult but like it's different (laughs) um yes but the reading is dissociation thing was just horrific yeah (laughs) and then i was just like getting mad and like reading all this shit on twitter and i was like why am i getting like riled up about this this is so stupid yes um so that's on me (laughs) Mm -hmm. But yeah, other terms that have been diluted. Um, And the thing with trauma, going back to trauma, and like a lot of things we've been talking about, it's tricky because you don't want to feel like you're invalidating someone's experience or you're invalidating someone's trauma. But I think it is important to maintain the significance of that word Mm -hmm. and the weight of that word. Like, it's not just anything. Yeah. It's not like... You know, like, trauma is a big thing, a big event happening. Mm -hmm. It's not like, yeah, well, my parents didn't let me get my septum pierced. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I just saw a TikTok that's, like, 16-year-olds talking about it. And they're like, yeah, fuck my mom. She's abusive. It's, like, borderline abuse. (laughs) Because she won't let them get their septum pierced. It's so annoying. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then manic is a term that has lost a lot of meaning oh, yes. on TikTok. And I feel like it's been worse lately. Like it's really been accelerating where people are just throwing around manic. Like it's nothing. Yeah. Like I'm so manic today for like folding all my clothes. Yeah. Like- it's like having a manic episode and trying to reorganize my closet, but then I got tired. Yeah. That I'm like, <laughs> what? Like, that's not how me. That's not works. how it works. Oh, you got tired? Then it's not a manic episode. They're like, they, I don't know. They just don't know what manic is. And there's this, yeah, it's like there are certain, like, criteria that are firm, that are set, that this is what a manic episode is. It Mm -hmm. has to last for X amount of days. It has to, whatever. People seem to think that it can last a few hours. Which is, yeah. Which is not, not true. And it's not, like, it's it's more like your whole, like, 
mood, personality, etc., like changes slowly and gradually. But then when it's at its height, it's like you're like a completely different person than like you are have ever been. Yes. And so like it's not like a like oh I snap into it for three hours and then it, it's done. Like it's a very like it, it grows. It's a very gradual thing that you like probably wouldn't notice at first. It happens. I mean, for most people that I've talked to, it's like over a month period at the least for like what it says on like most like most information I've read is it's like a two week minimum Mm -hmm. period of a manic episode. But it ranges from like it could go from two weeks to six months. Like a manic episode is a long period of time. Yeah. um, As as defined by like psychiatrists psychologists etc and i've seen this type of there is hypomania though yeah so that's what i have i have type 2 so i have hypomania and even then yeah it's not like yeah i'm hypomanic now yeah Yeah. it's like a build-up over time Mm -hmm. and i would also say at least with my experience with bipolar when i like kind of look at my life yeah there's just like it's like it makes cyclical. Sense. It makes sense Same. where I can oh think of specific gosh. periods where it's like ups and downs. Oh literally. my god! But for you, it's like a shorter period of time. Yeah, and it's like it's different. It's but yeah, I think about like and honestly, in college, it was a lot of like semesters. Like I can think of, and I wasn't like totally hypomanic that whole time. But yeah. there's just like a general trend in my life that I yeah. can track, and it makes a lot of sense. Well, that's for me. It's the same way by semester. So like, it was almost always in the fall, really badly depressed. In the spring, like manic, but it didn't get to the extreme manic until like COVID, which I think like COVID is what like, you know, really spiraled me because I was by myself for like two weeks. I got on a really unnatural sleep schedule, which a big thing with like bipolar disorder is like your circadian rhythms and maintaining them correctly is like what helps you to stay healthy. Like if I like get off my sleep schedule for like more than like, honestly, one or two nights, it's like could, you know, downward spiral. Yeah. And so uh, the natural circadian rhythm is, like, really important. And so uh, me and my sister have a theory. And I definitely think the mania was, like, coming and, like, starting prior to, like, COVID even starting. Like, I think mine was about, like, late February, early March, like, right as COVID started. And then it went – it probably last ended around – beginning of June Mm -hmm. but if you've probably heard about this but in um about like a week or two into COVID when I was like actually like self-isolating for like two weeks like I really didn't see anyone other than one of my roommates I found my friend Ginger who was a baby possum oh I remember that and I loved her so much and I was trying so hard to take care of her but as as you guys may know possums are nocturnal Mm mm-hmm and so, like, I had her in my room with me, and so at night, she would be going wild, and so I would, like, like, and so this isn't, like, a confirmed, like, yeah, doctor theory, but at night, I would be staying up all night with her. My sleep schedule got so off to where yeah. I was literally, like, all, up all night, yeah, and then, like, waking up at really weird times during the day, and my sister and I think that that's what really, like, pushed forward my, like, mania, because it let like after that like it's like 
extremely noticeable difference. Like up until, you know, I went to the hospital, got put on mood stabilizers correctly. Mm -hmm. It took a while for them to get the correct medication, but the correct medicine. And then I really saw myself after about two weeks on medicine, like go down. And that's another thing that I just want to point out is um, with medicine, like it's not an immediate reaction. You have to take it for like, I mean, for most people, I would say at least a month to see any sort of reaction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Luckily, with the mood stabilizers, it took me out of my mania in about, like, a week. And then to where I was able to leave the hospital. But I was still manic. Yeah. Like, I, like, look back, I'm like, oh, God. Like, the way I was acting was, like, unnatural. But, um, but then, like, you know, the second I'm out of the mania, it's, like, depressed. (laughs) Like, that's a good point yeah like just with your experience where yeah. it's not necessarily like it's like oh all of a sudden I'm not sleeping yeah it's like sometimes your behaviors like contribute to and worsen your symptoms oh for sure um yeah it, it's just interesting thinking about periods because I think my first hypomanic episode was junior year of high school mm-hmm. and the biggest indicator to me mm-hmm. is self-esteem Mm-hmm. When I am hypomanic, my self-esteem is, like, through the fucking roof. Yeah. Like, it's insane. I feel like I can do absolutely anything. Like, I – and there's just a sense that everything is, like, working together. Everything is, yeah. like – Perfect. Yeah. Um. So I remember that, and I had no idea that that is what was happening. You're I thought like, it was just, you're like – doing new, really well. Yeah, I thought it was, like, oh, my God. Like, something has just, like, mm-hmm. changed in me. And I remember people telling me. Um, because prior to that, like I had self-esteem issues yeah. for sure. I was really depressed first semester of junior year. And I remember people being like, oh my God, like your self-esteem, like I am inspired by how confident you are, which is crazy. And that's definitely a direct result. And I don't know. I was like shit posting on Instagram. I was like, I remember you dyed your hair then. I don't I know if that was a part purple. of it, but yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I was like, I was just on top of the fucking world. Yeah. And the hard part about hypomania is It's not, I wouldn't say it's as dangerous as a manic episode. You know, it's not like you're doing things that are as extreme. Yeah. And a lot of times it can be a really good thing. You can be really productive. You feel really good. Yeah. So the issue is that when you then come down, because the vast majority of it is depression, Mm -hmm. really, really bad depression. Yeah. Then all you want is to like get back to that high. And so I think a lot of people, I've been fortunate to have a lot of resources and a lot of help to where I've never really gone off of my medication, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of people who are like, well, fuck this. Like, I want to feel that good again. So they go off their medication. And then I think for a lot of people, it can then progress to be full manic episodes. Um, But yeah, I had no idea that was happening and I wasn't diagnosed until after my sophomore year of college. But looking back, I was like, I just don't understand. Why do I feel so good? Yeah. And then I get so depressed. It makes no sense to me. I remember first semester of freshman year of college, through the fucking roof. Yeah. Confidence, like, insane. Um, so social, doing so many things. Yeah. And then, like, second semester, I could barely, like, go to the dining hall that was, like, down the street. right next yeah. door, you know? No, I feel that a lot. And, like, that's what I was saying, like, too. Like, I would say at least my junior year first semester – or no, second semester, so, like, sophomore year of college, depressed first semester, better second semester. But I can't really say that I remember, my, like, a sort of, like, mania mm-hmm. um, 
fall junior year bad enough to where like my parents were coming, like started seeing a therapist, but like it wasn't, but then I got really good again in the spring to where I was like, oh, this Lexapro's working. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? And then like, yeah. And and so then I'm like, oh, I'm good. Like this Lexapro, like, yeah. Yeah. And antidepressants worsen. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And so then, um, and then like around, like it always was like fall the next Christmas, I mean, next, next fall was like bad again. And like, extreme enough to where I had to go to the hospital for the first time which like honestly looking back it was like I mean I was really bad and I honestly no I I needed to go to the hospital what am I saying (laughs) but like and then like the spring was when like I had my like actual like diagnosed manic episode but I would have said that but that manic episode led to psychosis which the psychosis was 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 really the problem like honestly like a manic episode is like makes you feel so good that you feel like it's manageable but Mm -hmm. then like when I went to psychosis, that's when I was like, oh, fuck, like, stop, like, yeah. stop the train. And, like, it wasn't really me saying stop the train. It was, like, everyone around me being like, okay, you're not okay. <laughs> like, you need to chill out. Yeah. Um. But the – ever since – okay, but let me talk about ever since I, like, discovered that I had bipolar disorder, I would say – I was depressed for, like, a year after I was had my first manic – my first official manic episode, um, and then – finally tweaked my medication was able to get to a point of like stability that I've probably maintained for about eight months and it's been amazing like and like people are like oh like wouldn't like wouldn't you like love the high and I'm like no I don't want it (laughs) do people say that well no people don't say that but like it's like I've seen like people talking about like like you said, like people like getting so depressed that they stop yeah. doing their mes- yeah. medication so they can feel good again. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like people are like, oh, I just like felt so amazing then. Like I want to feel that way again. No, like I would never want to feel that good again. Yeah. Like I'm so fine just being like leveled off. Yeah. Even sure. like slightly depressed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm like, I'm fine. Yeah. And I think both of us kind of show the value. I mean, of course, it's obvious the value of a proper diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember, and there is part of me that's like more exposure and more awareness about things like type 2 bipolar. I never knew that that was a thing. Yeah. So that never even. Like, I didn't even know there were types. <laughs> I yeah, just thought there was yeah. like, like one diagnosis. Yeah. So I remember thinking in high school and college where I was like, I feel like I go through these cycles, but it, like I'm not bipolar because I don't have like these manic episodes Mm -hmm. and then my therapist kind of was introduced the idea where she was like it sounds like you may have this and it was like like clarity where I was like that makes a lot of sense that makes perfect sense and then from there you can get the proper medication yeah um and I will say like from my personal experience the medication process takes like a really long time and I was lucky honestly enough for it to last only like a year and a couple months before I was like at a point where I felt like stable again. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been on medication for like three years before I even found what was like actually worked correctly for me. And like, it took me two years before I was actually diagnosed with anything mm-hmm. that was actually legit. So I just want to put that out there. I'm also on like seven or eight medications. So it's not like I'm on one thing and it works. Like yeah. I have to take all these things mixed together three times a day. It's not, like, easy for sure, and I'm, like, so blessed to have 
family that like supports me and helps me to get like access to these resources because it's yeah. like so difficult yeah to to find out what works for you yeah and I think a lot of people mm. probably for me I feel like people who don't know that I have that yeah probably wouldn't guess that because oh. you know I've been stable for a long time for probably like three plus years yeah yeah, there's a lot that goes into that. There's a lot of work. I take like five things and I'm still currently tweaking them. Like yeah. I just added something new. Yeah. You have to adjust the dosages and that can be really overwhelming. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, once you reach a good balance, it's like, yeah, this is good. Um, but yeah, it's like therapy, going to your psychiatrist regularly. Again, very blessed to have these resources, but it's like, it's not easy. And it's something that you are thinking about every day, mm -hmm. something that you have to check in with yourself every day to where, yeah, it's hard to see people on TikTok being like, oh, I'm cleaning my closet. I'm manic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When it's like, you just don't see. Understand people. or no. And I mean, it's like yeah it's just like a really long process to figure out these things but i i'm glad that i figured it out would i repeat everything again no i wouldn't want to have this yeah. like this is not something like we talked about there's like i would never want to be diagnosed with this well, no. it is not fun yeah um i've been able to like, figure it out over like years but it's not a blessing yeah <laughs> like it's not a it's not a blessing in disguise like come on no yeah. and I think going back to not wanting it to be your whole personality mm -hmm. it's I've yeah I feel like I've reached a place where it's like yeah I put in that work and to me it's just a chronic illness it's yeah. just something that you know I have to keep track of but I can live my life normally like it doesn't yeah. have to you know and I feel like a lot of times with bipolar specifically yeah you only really hear about it or it's really only visible when people are struggling when people are you know or not struggling They're but like when excuses. people are having episodes it's like or... excuses for what someone's doing people might not even have a diagnosis or yeah. have it people be like oh my aunt she's like doing something really bad right now we think she's bipolar yeah like fuck yeah you. <laughs> and i mean I, amber heard people are yeah like, oh, she's bipolar yeah it's like do you know that also, yeah, it's used as, like, a... Negative. A negative. Very, it's a very negative thing. It's, like, an explanation for bad behavior. Like, yeah. Like, oh, well, she must be bipolar. Which sucks. Which I have done bad things <laughs> yeah. when I was in the midst of mania. I apologize to anyone I've... <laughs> <laughs> but... And I feel like another part of this... I don't want this to be, like, Debbie Downer. Yeah. But something else I've been thinking about lately is how so much of the mental health narrative <clears throat> is about, like, oh, take the steps that you need to get help. Like, encouraging people to, you know, get help where it's like, you know, there's a lot of us who do everything right. There's a lot of us who have taken those steps and we still struggle. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like there's some magic solution. I think for some mental illnesses which we were talking about. There's some that are more... Accepted in the mainstream. Yeah, accepted, sanitized almost. And I think that has to do with them being more curable almost. Yeah. Or more manageable maybe. It's like maybe one, like if someone's on medicine for those Ill for some of the illnesses, it's like they're on like one thing. Yeah. Very small dosage. Yeah. And something bad about me, so a flaw 
Because again, like since I've been dealing with this since I was 16 years old, yeah, I think I forget that for a lot of people, that's still a hard thing to like, you know, accept it or accept like, that, identify like I'm depressed it. and I need to go on an antidepressant. Yeah, you know, I think medication specifically is something that people struggle with. Mm-hmm. Which Whereas we to both, me, I'm yeah. like, what's the big deal? Yeah, you know what I mean? Me, and I know like... that that's like not a good way to think. But I'm well, kind of like, I don't whole... want to hear about your heroic like. Yeah. Like celebrities. I feel like it's when celebrities do it when they like are like, you know, fun fact, I actually take an antidepressant and it's like this like crazy thing. Like I want to normalize be a good thing. Yeah, it can be. be. Like normalizing it is a good thing. Yeah. But like also it is like the whole like, I don't know, like. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I'm sure that that is like invalidating to some people. And I admit like, that's not good that I do that. That yeah. just comes from a place of like frustration. I feel like. Yeah. From what. You're like, you're like, you're kind of like, it's almost like it's a lot harder for other people. Yeah. Is that kind of how you feel? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel bad when I think that way and I yeah. try to shut down those thoughts. But again, sometimes you just feel things and it's like, like you just, it's like, you like, it's like kind of thing. Like, you know, you it's like, I wish that. I could just take one pill and, and then get better. And like weaning yourself off of those things. Yeah. That like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like this narrative that it's like get help you know if you have to go on medication that's okay and then you'll get better and then you'll get off your medication and then you'll be okay mm-hmm. whereas for chronic mental illnesses that's not how it is yeah. so i think people and again it's not i don't want to say that people want mental illnesses i think teens are highly impressionable mm-hmm. and i think all teens, like when we were teens, you want to feel validated because you do feel a lot of big feelings when you're a teen. Like there's yeah. a lot that you're going through. You want to feel like you belong to a group. You want to have some like clear identity. Mm-hmm. So I think some of them do cling to certain like diagnoses, illnesses, yeah. mental illnesses, um, like depression and anxiety, yeah. which, like we said, are a bit more manageable. Not to discredit, of course, there's a lot of people who have a really hard time with depression and anxiety. And it's not like just going on medication is going to make you better. So I don't want to make it seem like that. Those are like very hard things to, yeah, to, you know, deal with. But generally, they're a bit more sanitized in the public eye. In the public eye, yeah. Um, yeah, and also with, like, like, young people identifying, it's, like, as a kid, it's, like, you're trying to find your identity, and it's, like, your identity is, like, one thing, like, you choose one thing, and it's, like, now I'm, like, when I was, like, really sick for so long, I was, like, I felt like it was my only identity, Mm -hmm. and then, like, now it's been, like, for the past couple months, like, taking that away, like, I'm, like, it's just a part of me. Yeah. It's a part, it is, like, a part of my identity, but it doesn't define me as a person. Yeah. Which, like, in the midst of it, it felt like it did. Yeah. You know? And I don't think that the identity is, like, in particular, like, I belong to the depressed group. I think the identity is, like, mentally ill as a whole. Mm. You know, where people joke about, like, I'm mentally ill. I obviously do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, where it's just kind of like, oh, I'm mentally ill, and it's like your subsect of that is like you have depression or you have anxiety 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, to where like bipolar is still gonna scare people. Schizophrenia is certainly going to scare people. Yeah. Whereas depression or anxiety, it's like, I understand that. That's something that's talked a lot about mm-hmm. in the media. And we are talking earlier where people understand those more because they can relate to those emotions. Mm-hmm. For sure. Where, you know, depression certainly has a lot of symptoms. But people understand, like, if you're depressed, you're sad. And if you're anxious, you're anxious. Like you're people, anxious or fear or whatever. Yeah, yeah where people experience anxiety, they may, may not have, like anxiety disorder Mm -hmm. whereas something like bipolar like people don't know what a manic episode feels like so they don't relate to it at all which i think makes it like harder for people to understand understand and Mm -hmm. be empathetic about yeah um and yeah another one we kind of touched on this that i feel like has been diluted Mm -hmm. is ocd yeah where and that's something that people call out often, I would say, where people are like, OCD doesn't equal you like to be clean. You like cleaning. But there's still, people still say it all the time. People that's like, I feel like one time. of the most common ones I hear. Yeah. Like, in just, well, a lot of, obviously, these are all common terms, but like, I like school in terms of like, you know, being organized oh, I'm so OCD about this. Like, I'm oh, I'm so OCD about my agenda or something like, you know, something simple like that. But like, yeah, it's like, I just hear, I feel like I hear it so much. Yeah. Whereas, of course, there's a lot of different symptoms of OCD. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying I have OCD. I think there's symptoms of bipolar and OCD that do overlap or like yeah, comorbidities as they call them. But yeah, it's like, Sometimes it's like, oh, if your loved one doesn't answer the phone, it's because they're dead. It's because they're in a ditch, dead. Or, like, it's because something that I always am afraid of is, oh, well, my dad's not answering my phone, his phone, because Daisy, my dog, is dead and he doesn't want to tell me. It's just, like, completely irrational fears Mm -hmm. and, like, compulsions and stuff. So, again, I'm not saying I have OCD, but I just think, like, things like that kind of overlap. Yeah. Um, makes sense. And people don't really think about those. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I don't know. I feel like we've touched on almost A lot everything. Of yeah. Another disorder that I see people talking about a lot on TikTok lately is autism. And I think originally the center of the conversation was the fact that a lot of women are underdiagnosed mm-hmm. for autism which again i think that's a good thing to make people aware of that and to spread awareness of that but now we're seeing kind of the the adhd effect where mm-hmm. people are taking these symptoms and diagnosing themselves with autism again it's just not a great thing to do you know if you recognize those symptoms and you're like i think i may have autism and you go to a doctor and that's true then like that's awesome that you have that diagnosis and you can understand yourself more but i've seen people talking about where there's people like diagnosis shopping like they're going to multiple doctors And they're frustrated because, you know, I've been to multiple doctors and none of them have diagnosed me with autism. 
in that case, you probably don't have autism. Yeah, it's especially like I get like maybe one doctor, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But like, are you serious going to multiple doctors just to get the diagnosis you want? Yeah. It's like, so. I guess part of it could be like, oh, doctors like don't know. They discredit women who have autism. But again, what is that doing for you? Like shopping for that diagnosis. mm -hmm. If there's multiple, then they're probably, they're not all like conspiring against you. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't think. I wouldn't think so. And I think if you went to, I'm assuming they're going to them and saying like, I think I have autism. I don't think they're like going and being like, tell me what I have. And if they're saying, I think I have autism and the doctor's not taking that seriously, then they're not a good doctor. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm assuming that they're, their assumption is correct. Like, I'm not going to say that they're, the doctor's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So I just saw a TikTok of a girl being like, it seems like people want autism and there's nothing wrong with having autism, obviously. But why do you want it? It's just, you know, it's another kind of bizarre trend. Like with I have seen that on TikTok, like a lot about talking about it. And there's a lot of jokes that are like me Googling symptoms of autism which I mean, yeah. Sometimes I see symptoms, and I'm like, and I mean, autism I is really a spectrum. One. It's like a huge oh, yeah, spectrum for sure. And so, like, like when I think of autism, I think of like a spectrum of like, oh, you either like you have it on one side, or you have it like a hundred percent on the other side, and it's all in between. Yeah. So a lot of people probably fall in the middle. Yeah. And so they may have a lot of symptoms of it, but they don't actually have um, the diagnosis because those symptoms aren't manifesting enough to. I mean, because, like, for a diagnosis, it would likely mean that it's causing problems in your life. Mm-hmm. Problems or, like, like things in your, like, this is disorder is causing enough problems in your life to where, like, this diagnosis will help you to understand yourself better as well as understanding, like, like how you interact with the world, get you the resources you need. If you mm-hmm. don't need the resources, then, like, what's the point? And I think that's a big thing on TikTok mm. where... I don't know. People act as if like a diagnosis in itself has a lot of value when really it's just a means of getting you the resources and the help that you Mm -hmm. need. Yeah. It's a label. Yeah. If it's, if without those, without that connection, that's just a label. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that goes along with people kind of wanting to feel like they're validated Mm -hmm. and they want to be part of a community, but you know, you shouldn't be, like, shopping for a diagnosis. There's really no need for that, again, if you don't need those resources. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, and, like, along with that, there's one other thing we want to talk about. Oh, um, well, I, like, I, I think autism spectrum disorder is, like, so fascinating. And I've been doing a lot of research on it this semester. And the resources that, like, are available are for kids that like really need help you know what I mean like I don't know I think for some people understanding that you have autism and like having a better understanding of like oh this is why I do this oh this is why I do this oh this is why I do this but like you don't you're completely like capable and are it doesn't deter your life it could help you like understand yourself better yeah Yeah, like which is like a great thing but in terms of like just needing that like 
Yeah. Again, it's just, it's just like, a slippery slope. It's tricky it is a sleep- because slippery slope. Like you said, I understand people being like, this explains a lot. And yeah. that can bring people clarity and closure on certain things. Um, but you can't deny that there is a trend on TikTok that it oh, feels yeah. like wa- like all of a sudden a lot of people have autism. A lot of people want autism. Yeah. And That's I don't know where this whole mental health fad like, like, is going to lead. Yeah. Um, and again, I feel bad saying that, but it definitely feels like a trendy thing on TikTok. And I don't know if it's going to fall out of yeah style i don't know what's gonna happen after that like mental illness is gonna be re-stigmatized i really don't know yeah i don't know every time i like just i kind of like to avoid a lot of that content yeah (laughs) there's some content like from like good like people on like instagram that are like doctors that i like but even then i'm kind of skeptical of it like, you know, like coping mechanisms, there's great coping mechanisms that are sometimes offered that I actually use. And I'm like, wow, yeah. like doing this when I'm like feeling really like anxious, like is helpful. But but I'm always like a little like skeptical. Yeah. You know? And I think something that we didn't touch upon is even if you are a legitimate doctor, yeah. people that I'm extremely suspicious of are the holistic anti-medication type of yeah professionals who push this idea that you don't need medication mm-hmm. and that there's natural solutions when that's just not true yeah like, yeah it's just not true and i mean there are like yeah it's like the whole idea like coping skills will only get you so far like it's gonna you're either going to like you either don't have a mental illness and you think you do and this coping skill helps you, or you're going to get to a point where you need something more than just this holistic advice. It doesn't, it's only going to like get you to a certain point. Yeah. Because if you really struggle with a mental illness, again, it's not just a quirky part of your personality. It's extremely disruptive to your life. Yeah. You can't function in everyday life unless you have proper medication. So, yeah. and I mean, it's like bipolar disorder has existed since antiquity and before that. I remember I wrote my last paper of college about bipolar disorder in antiquity and it was really oh interesting. Oh my God, I kind of want to hear it. <laughs> they used to take baths um, with lithium in them. Are you serious? Yeah, like they had, I don't remember the specifics, but I remember everyone in my class was like, whoa, because we had to give a presentation on it. And it's like, yeah, they, I mean, they knew that that was a thing. And something that's interesting about bipolar throughout history is in antiquity, and I would say for a long time, it's kind of been seen as almost could be like a a good thing in the sense that you're kind of like touched by God. You're like creative. You're like a, so in a the mad past, genius. In the almost. past, it was kind of seen as like a, it was like almost like a special like good thing kind of and i mean um yeah it's just interesting like epilepsy was seen as something where you're like blessed by god well that's something that yeah i read about for a different culture too that's really cool yeah so it's almost like bipolar was seen in a similar way and a lot of 
you know, creative people are bipolar. Are bipolar. I know. I was thinking when we, we were just talking about it, but I was thinking about Halsey. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know her music, yeah. but she talks about being bipolar a lot in her music, which I think is really cool. And I like having like someone, which I mean, I don't even like listen to her music that much, but I just think it's cool that she's like open about it. Yeah. Cause I'm sure that there's a lot more celebrities th- that are bipolar or have any sort of diagnosis that don't, actually Jim outright Perry. say it yeah i know he yeah and then um catherine zeta jones um bb rexa if you've ever heard her yeah, music yeah. is like yeah. <laughs> her music like is a mood like for me i'm like yes yeah um there's others i would have to look it up but well so we were talking about a really good book yeah um if you are bipolar or if you just want to understand more about it is an Unquiet Mind by Kay Redfield Jameson. Yes. And she is a psychiatrist who has bipolar disorder. And she's extremely impressive. Like, she's an academic. She's written multiple books. Um, Yeah, and she just talks about living with that. And Mm -hmm. she's also very successful. She has another book, which I also own, which is called touched by fire and it's about that where a lot of creative people throughout history have had bipolar disorder and again that's like a double yeah i don't know the term but that's like a good and a bad thing because it's like yeah embracing it and being like there are good things that can come of this yeah i think is a positive thing but also it causes a lot of people to not want to take medication. It goes along with that. Like, I don't want to dull my personality. I don't want to dull my creativity. And that's dangerous. And I still feel like I still have all of that. Like, with my medicine. Yeah, you know, I agree. I I don't know. Yeah, and I think that's, like, goes to show that medication doesn't always make you a zombie. I feel like myself It just takes time to find the right one. Yeah, Yeah, like, I feel like myself. I didn't always. Mm -hmm. Like, it took adjusting, but... I don't feel like I'm yeah, some different person and I don't have the same like thoughts and ideas that I did before. Yeah, I agree. And then also another book that she wrote that I bought but I haven't read yet. It's called Exuberance oh, and it's about um, euphoria, joy, like yeah. kind of like really joyful moments. But then she's also t- goes into like how that can kind of be turn its head into yeah. like unhealthy. Yeah. But I haven't read it yet. I bought it. And I have it on my bookshelf. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I haven't read Touch by Fire. Yeah. But it's kind of like, it's doesn't seem as much like you have to read it all the way through. It could kind of mm-hmm. be like, oh, if there's someone of interest to you, you can read about them. Oh, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of artists, a lot of poets, a lot of writers. I kind of want to look at it after this. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. And there actually was a film based on it made called Touched by Fire. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of weird because it wasn't, it was about two people who are bipolar who Mm. meet in a psych ward Mm. um, and they begin a relationship and he is very much I don't want to take medication I don't want to dull my because he's like I this is like my bible yeah touched by fire by K. Redfield Jameson and she you know is trying to live like a functional life so she you know wants to take medication and whatever but she goes along with him so it's like a very toxic relationship basically but i mean i remember it was good it was really sad but it was good that sounds interesting yeah yeah well i kind of want to read your paper now and i want to read that book so look at that yeah i was proud of that paper i thought it was cool i remember some freshmen in my class like tried to take 
mood disorders and i was like absolutely not oh like for their assignment yeah like we had to pick a topic oh and we shared our topic with the class mm-hmm. and i basically was like you're like this is me i think my professor understood that it's like well i'm a senior so i get it i get it <laughs> yeah it was like an ancient medicine class it was kind of cool what yeah but the annoying thing was that it was the classics department was extremely small Mm -hmm. so there was probably four of us in there and the rest were like freshmen and sophomore pre-med majors so they were extremely annoying but it was a cool class um and yeah i'll send you my paper sweet i'm just thinking of other like media a book that i remember really helped me in high school Mm -hmm which is when I thought I was just depressed. So it really helped me with like depression was it's kind of a funny story. I have that on my, I have that too. And I've read that. Yeah. I, I really like read it. it multiple times. I don't know. It was just very comforting to me. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of any movies. Um, there's so many like that. I feel like give accurate representations of like manic episodes in some ways, like, mm-hmm. But they're not actually about a bipolar person. Yeah. But they, to me, when I watch it, I'm like, that was me. Yeah. And one of them is The Truman Show, which has been one of my favorite movies forever. But, like, his, like, paranoia, Mm -hmm. like, in the midst of everything, obviously, he has justification for it. But, like, in the midst of, like, a manic episode or, like, paranoia, like, like, manic-induced paranoia, it's like, that's kind of how you feel. Yeah. Is, like, everyone, or that's how I felt. It's, like, everyone is, like calculated like doing these things for yeah. some reason are they spies are they the mafia yeah. are they like the illuminati like you know yeah or like are you on a tv show yeah which obviously watching that movie prior to that wasn't helpful because i was like i'm in the yeah. <laughs> yeah. but you know what i mean there's so many good ones i could go on i could go on I'm looking at my bookshelf. Nothing else comes directly to mind. Ooh, another good one. New move, good movie, just about mental illness. It's a really cute one. Is Inside Out. Have you seen that? I've never seen that. You should watch it. It's cute. It's more about like it's not really about like mental illness. It's more about how your emotions like regulate themselves and how like having too much of one emotion can be really bad. Having too much of another emotion can be really bad. And um, it's really good. I remember watching a Spanish movie. It came out like a year ago. It's pretty recent on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the name of it, but it's basically like this guy has this night out with this girl and she's like, Oh my manic. God, you were, you talked about this in a different episode. Did I? Yes. <laughs> I remember hearing about it. It was, yeah. yes. I remember. Hearing yeah. Where he goes into the psych ward in order to be with her. And he's like, yes. mental illness isn't real. LOL. It was a Spanish movie, right? Yeah. Yes. I remember you it talking about funny. that. It was pretty funny. I, I mean, I don't think it was, like, the most educational thing in the world. Yeah. But it was entertaining. Yeah. But then also, like, in the media, and for the most part, I would say bipolar disorder is portrayed in a negative way. Mm-hmm. Like, in TV shows and, like, like when someone is, like, bipolar, they tend to be, like, not a healthy person. Like, a good example is Shameless. Um, what's his name? The Frank, dad. Uh, the Frank? D- I'm pretty sure he's supposed to be bipolar. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, obviously not, like, the best person. Yeah, and it also just carries with it this air of, like, doom. Mm-hmm. Doom and gloom. Yeah. Where you're kind of condemned to Like, there's tragedy, no way out. Yeah. Or, like, you know, a lot of people. Oh, my gosh. I just looked at fictional characters by bipolar disorder and Remus Lupin. 
really? He's like my favorite. And Harry Potter. He's like bipolar king. He's literally my favorite character, but I'm like, also, he's like a werewolf. So, like, maybe they're just saying that he, like, when he has angry, he turns to a werewolf. But still, but still. Elphaba, Alice from Alice in Wonderland. She's in, like, psychosis, but she's, like, going through all her things. Um, I'm trying to see if anyone else. Norman Osborn from Spider-Man. That's pretty negative. Um, no one. Ian Gallagher, who is, like, the son of Frank Gallagher. And yeah. He actually, that, I think he does, it shows a pretty good yeah. representation. His representation of bipolar disorder. Wow, we could go on, you yeah. guys. We could go on with you guys for so long. So it's a this good topic a for us one. because we both like, you know. It's a topic near and dear to our hearts. To our hearts, for sure. And um, yeah, we're so happy that you guys were listening. Yeah. Do you have if anything you made else? It this far? I don't think I do. Yeah. Well, sisters, we're so glad to have you guys listening with us. And yeah, it's been a good one. Bye, sisters. Bye, sisters.